0: This media is brought to you by Polyscope. I'm Cassie Bishop. And I'm Ray Turing. Dive into the heart of AI innovation with us on AI Daily.
1: Bringing you breaking news in AI, unveiling the future as it unfolds.
0: Subscribe now and stay ahead with AIDaily.us. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future?
1: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting live from the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on AI, startups, and the future, not necessarily those, and not necessarily in that order. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's great to finally meet you in person because this is how we meet each other in person nowadays through Zoom, right? Uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about?
0: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. So uh, my name is, uh, you know, Shahid Sheikh. Um, This is the fourth country that I'm living in. Um, You know, lived in India, Dubai, Singapore before this. Um, Nice. I'm a a startup uh, founder. Um, I run CleverX, which is... uh, a marketplace for market research. Uh, so companies, uh, you know, like Microsoft, TikTok, Twitter, the research gets powered through our platform where they connect with senior business professionals to get insights. Uh, what I'm passionate about is is uh, you know, riding motorbikes, reading, um, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, going for hikes and and things like that, you know, outdoorsy stuff mostly. Yeah. So
1: you should have led with that, actually. I was thinking about a friend of mine who's Finn who's a Finn. He goes, you Americans, when somebody asks you what you're passionate about, the first thing you talk about is your job, right? <laughs> it's like, when I talk, when somebody asks me, I, I talk about, uh, you know, racquetball or, or yeah, walking my yeah. dog or whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> so you've probably. definitely,
1: you've definitely, uh, picked up the American culture.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <have>, I <laughs> <laughs>
1: Awesome, awesome. So so, what led you to this startup? I mean, what made you decide to, to do this?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, before uh, starting CleverX, I used to work for Gartner Research, which is a uh, public listed, one of the largest technology research companies in the world. Um, yeah. And I realized uh, working at Gartner that online surveys and, you know, qualitative and quantitative research in the in the market research space had so many holes in it, like the way it operated. Um, And uh, I wanted to solve the problem around fraud in that space, because almost 40% of online surveys in B2B are fraudulent.
1: Wow. I didn't realize it was that high. That's crazy. It's
0: it's really high. SMR, which is the largest uh, research organization, uh, like a nonprofit organization, has a a, a big article written about it. And the reason is uh, a lot of companies do not even know who their survey participants are. So, like, there's a black market out there where there are people whose sole job is to take up surveys, uh, and uh, there's a conflict of interest between multiple parties in that you know equation where nobody wants to share that information who the participant is. And we, we as a mission of our company is to make sure that we bring that transparency to the whole process of conducting online surveys. Fifty-five billion dollar market in the U.S. Uh, and uh, Uh, I think we're doing a good job. You know, we're growing really fast. Uh, A lot of companies use us because of that trust and transparency angle. Um, And I think that was the primary reason for me to, to build it. And my, my generally my background is around technology and market research. So it all came together for, for this startup. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So you're saying that because uh, you saw this, this hole in the market where there was so much fraud, it's like, so how does, how does CleverX like do that? Does it, does it, cross-reference things or what, it, like, what's the, you don't yeah. have to tell the secret sauce, but just give us no, an overview of how it, like to, what makes it different. I'm happy
0: to share it. The more companies uh, that will exist like us, it'll improve the industry. So I believe in that, um, you know. Um, uh, but I think the, the way to do that is to be like a LinkedIn alternative. Uh, is like you create a marketplace, which is also a community platform where you have transparency to directly engage with each other and invite people for those online surveys. Mm-hmm. So if I already know Chris is the right person for you know, participating in my survey, I can actually engage with you through a platform, chat with you, and ask you to participate in my survey. That, uh, that gives you so much confidence as a researcher that whatever Chris is going to give me as an output on, on that online survey, I can rely on that. Because in the traditional way of doing things, I don't even know who my respondents are. And that's a big problem. Oh,
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I I use CrowdTap every now and yeah. then. So, I mean, you are probably familiar with that. And I'm like, yeah. I can't believe that each and every time they ask me the exact same question over and over and over and over again. I'm just like, "Don't you know who I am already? You've yes. got enough information exactly. on me yeah. to be able to answer that question." You know, "Do I have a pet?" No. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. but then
1: like 5 questions later, "Tell me about your dog." It's like, "No, I already told <laughs> you I don't have a pet." It's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's so. It's, it's, a, is it
1: is the reason why that happens? Is because I'm assuming these are all siloed, and these you know, company A has to get the full set of information, and then company B has to get their full set of information. So even if they the question is asked again, it's because you want to silo these these this research from each other. Is that is that one of the problems that you solve? Uh,
0: it, it is not just a, you know. So sort the of questionnaires that companies or researchers create, we don't have control over that. Right. right, But what we do have control over is we can pass on all the information about a particular user on a platform, about their work experience, uh, the industries that they work for, the number of years of experience they had, where, where do they live, which city, which country, uh, all that information when we give it to a user, a lot of questions get answered just based on that information. Right. right. So you don't need and to,
1: you don't need to ask them that during the yeah. research stage phase. And,
0: uh, into the through the research stage, so that information gets passed on to the research company. And on top of it, then you can go more deeper, because, you know, the longer the online surveys are, the, the response rate drops down drastically, right? Oh, yeah. So, So if you can get that basic information from our platform and then give them more meaty questions, right, about your particular job or your influence in buying a certain technology or, um, you know, how did you market in a certain, you know, uh, geography, uh, which are more relevant to your, uh, to a market researcher's customers, I think that's where we're adding value. So I think the top. Five of the top ten research firms in the world are actually using CleverX, and we're just two and a half years old. Uh, so, which is which is very exciting to see that change um, that we're bringing in. Yeah. Well,
1: that's fantastic! So, can you tell me a little bit about your original startup story? So, you were working at Gartner. You decided there was a big hole to fill. Did you just did you just leave and start coding yourself? Did you raise money? I mean, tell me about yeah. the, how. You know, a bad yeah, story.
0: Uh, it was a very interesting journey with a lot of failures. So I think when I started, I'm a solo founder, so I don't mm-hmm. have like a shoulder to cry on, like a co-founder. Oh no, right? so yeah. I had to. I had to <laughs> You're a really, solopreneur. Like, there's so few of us. Yeah, there's so few <laughs> of us. Exactly. So you can understand the pain, right? Um, so when I started off, um, you know, um, I learned that there is a market, and um, the first thing I did was, you know, just go and talk to customers. But I think the mistake that I uh, made in in that process was I uh, I went very deep into certain verticals to ask questions to particular customers. I Mm. should have, you know, talked to more people across different industries because it almost took us a year to find a product market fit. A lot of companies fail in that first year because you probably have built a solution that is valuable to someone, but maybe you're just talking to the wrong people. So well, that's interesting. Needed-
1: so that's kind of like the opposite of niching down because everybody says niche down, niche down, niche down, niche down. But if you niche down into the wrong vertical,
0: yeah. then... You, you, but the the bigger question is, how do you know what to niche down on? That is where I made a exactly. mistake.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: So before that, there's one more step, which is like trying to talk to more people across different personas, different industries to know where your product is really, really needed. That mm. stops them from doing certain job. With with high quality work, and I think um, I learned that over like being like a first time founder, you know, just learning those uh, things. That was really difficult for me. Uh, We raised money from, uh, you know, uh, some very prominent angel investors in Silicon Valley um, and some well-known people in the Middle East as well uh, who were, you know, great to invest in the early stages of our company. Um, And then we started like hiring one, two people as we kept growing and building the product. But did did you
1: build the product first or did you raise the money first?
0: No, I actually built the product first um, mm. because I had an idea what we were building and for whom, but uh, that took us like at least nine months to build the product, the first iteration of the product. So we built the product because the customer is not going to buy from us, uh, especially in that space that we're serving without seeing anything real. Right. Um, and uh, that was a gamble that I had to make. Although the easier or not, I wouldn't say the easy is the right word here, but although the better path would have been like getting the customer first before building the product, I Mm -hmm. I believe in that philosophy, but in our case, that was different. Like it wasn't going to work out if I would have taken that approach. Um, Right. Well, it depends on
1: the business. I mean, it works for some businesses and it just doesn't work for others because you really have to show them the data that you have to show them that you can provide something that is more useful to them.
0: You've got to show them the users too, in our case, because they're a marketplace, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) We got to have some, it's like the chicken and egg. Problem. Exactly. That's the problem with marketplaces you got to have both the buyers and the sellers you have to you have to get them both in there and that's yeah. one of the toughest i mean everyone goes oh yeah look at uber look at airbnb look at all these marketplaces yeah. they don't own cars they don't own homes it's like yeah, yeah but it's a marketplace so it's, it's you're, you're catering to two different co- completely different sets of audiences and you got right. to get them together and you've got to get yeah. enough traction for yeah. people to see that there's something going on here so that must yeah. have been really hard
0: To all the marketplace founders, I have like the utmost respect for them because it's like running two businesses at the same time. And it never ends, right? There's no perfect balance of supply and demand. Like you have to constantly keep growing both of them at the same time because if one doesn't work with the other, the one side of the marketplace will start to dry up.
1: Yeah. Actually, I like that. I like that concept. It is like running two businesses at the same time. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right.
0: yeah, and one side will look for the other side. If one doesn't exist, the other one's going to leave, right? It's the same chicken yeah. and egg problem that you were talking about. So I think uh, it's it's one of the toughest things to do. But I've also learned that once they scale, um, they become very powerful because mm-hmm. of the network effects that exist into marketplaces. Yeah, it's, very it's just that that
1: initial that initial bump. Like, how did yeah. you how did you get that initial bump? Because I can imagine. You, yeah. you know you talk to you talk to one side of the marketplace and they're like oh we, we need more of those and you talk to the other side and they say we need more of those And it's like how did you get that
0: yeah so i critical think uh, mass? the first bump that we had to uncover was first of all who on the demand side needs our product like they really need it we have just not an alternative we are the most powerful thing that they will use to solve that particular problem uh at work so we, we figured that out, and it was mostly market research and consulting firms for us. They needed us most more than any other industry, including financial uh, services, um, you know, large enterprises, etc.
1: But how did you pitch uh, to them if you didn't have anybody to pitch to them?
0: Yeah, so initially we, we went to them and we showed them like a, a prototype, mm-hmm. and we gathered. Hundred users, which was like completely hustle. Like I had to personally get on calls with people to convince them to join the platform and be on the platform. And when they joined the platform, I would go uh, in a in a particular vertical. So we started off with like technology vertical. So CIOs were like a top vertical for us. So we went to these customers, say like, hey, you can get access to these hundred CIOs, you know, um, and you can you know start interacting with them and transact through the platform to get whatever insight. Yep. What
1: did you, how did you incentivize the CIOs to join the platform?
0: I had to tell them that we we are a startup. If you come on the platform, we'll bring in business to you. Because the thing is, all these CIOs already get a lot of requests on LinkedIn and they don't- Oh yeah, them, right? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, actually you get a lot of them on, on LinkedIn. Every day, hundreds. Every day, right? <laughs> but the problem is LinkedIn has a lot of spam and trust issues. So mm-hmm. these CIOs or these senior business professionals They are very low temperament. They don't have time to like, you know, uh, try out different platforms. But what we told them is like, we are going to give you the guarantee that you're going to get paid, number one, for participating in every project that you do. And the second thing is you also have a monetization mechanism here. You can put your rates there. Your profile is there. You don't have to create a profile every time someone comes to you asking for this request and that request. This is what you have. Just share your link with them and people start using it. I think that worked out really well. They're giving them the trust and guarantee that they will get paid. Because on LinkedIn, if I hire you for some work, I don't pay you after you've successfully completed the work, Chris. You cannot really do anything. Like how are you going to- Yeah, there's no recourse. Yeah. There's no recourse, right? Yeah. Uh, But we as a platform take that guarantee. And and that made it um, good enough for them to at least give us a chance to to, work with us. Um, and, uh, that, that's how we initially like seeded the marketplace was, was the supply side and then going to the demand side and then growing both the sides. Today, we have close to 16,000 senior business professionals on the platform. Um, and the largest companies research are getting powered by, by. Yeah, it's
1: interesting because, um, it's very similar to like what happened with fishbowl, right? Because yeah. if, if you look at, if you look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn is kind of like the lowest common denominator of business networking yeah. Yeah. and yeah. it's so <laughs> junky. Yeah. and that it doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. I remember participating on a LinkedIn panel once Yeah, and they're going, what's the biggest problem with LinkedIn? And I said, well, it's supposed to be a platform to help me do business and it doesn't help me do business.
0: business it's yeah. just
1: more of, it's just another social media that wastes my time. Yeah,
0: yeah it's more like thought <laughs> leadership, which is not really thought leadership. And I think jobs probably, it's a good place to for people to apply for jobs, but also, that also is like looking really bad because like every yeah. job you see pe- the thousand people who applied for it because there's a one click button i can go and click yeah. on thousands of jobs yeah.
1: in it it's ta- it's table stakes for people's yeah. background checks is basically what it is it's kind of like yeah. and even even looking for jobs i think yeah. it's not even really u- very useful for that because there's so yeah. many other outlets right now and there's so many applications per a particular job yeah it's, it's more of a pull model so it's kind of like here's where i have to have my profile and a few other things set up so that people will see I'm a legitimate individual who actually do business. It's definitely not, I mean, for getting a job, possibly background information, but for doing business, actually buying and selling and connecting people with demand to people with supply. uh -uh, It doesn't have that capability.
0: Yeah. It unfortunately doesn't have that, you know, mechanisms built around trust because you can go and create like a fake or a spam profile as well. And yeah, No one. And then every day somebody
1: says, Hey, I've got, I've cracked the LinkedIn AI lead generation. Thing. No, I'm, it's just like I,
0: I don't know. Cool spamming that. LinkedIn, uh, going hey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we we what we wanted to do was build like a LinkedIn alternative for market research. I think that's what right. our customers call us today. Um, I, I don't think there's any other company that's taken the route that we have taken to solve this problem. So, which is very you know unique and differentiated as a product. So, yeah.
1: so how do you vet people for coming to yeah. come in? Like, how do you stop anybody, just anybody, from signing up and going, hey, I'm CIO of a uh, yada yada company and yeah, yeah, that's a pay great me question. lots of money.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question. You can sign up for sure, but uh, there are uh, systems built within the platform which are powered by AI. So we call them AI signals uh, where a users, you know, uh, even the data around like their Chrome, sorry, their browser, their location, uh, their social profiles, we get all that pulled in um, and based on that we can put a verification score so it's mm. not a yes or a no we know like how much how, how how much is a verification process done for a particular user based on that if it's a legitimate user we know that for sure if it's not they won't get any you know request or they won't even show up on the search in in right. certain cases so right. we don't stop people from signing up but if there's like a fraudulent profile our system can alert us in, in the right second that they sign up like they are not legitimate the other thing is uh you also get a lot of kyc data because people can only withdraw money that they've earned from our platform by connecting their bank accounts through Stripe. ah
1: interesting so, interesting so you
0: so i cannot put chris's bank account into my account <laughs> to, to...
1: now you're making me think you're like a, you use like elements from dating sites to, to yeah, validate exactly. if the person is legitimate that's cool yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you you got to do like, think out of the box to, to figure out ways. Uh, and uh, if you put those, you know, three, four things together, we are very confident about like the, the legitimacy of a particular user that's on the platform. Uh,
1: that's of interesting.
0: Course, uh, uh, you know, even Amazon couldn't solve like fraud. Uh, no, no marketplace can solve or eradicate fraud by hundred uh, percent, but you can keep it at a very, very minimal level. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and keep those tools in place so at least things get flagged before you before some some transaction even you know starts to take place. Yeah.
1: So, what's the business model on your? Front? Do you do you charge a percentage? Do you charge a fee to the market research companies? Where like?
0: Yeah, we charge a fee on both the sides of the marketplace because we're bringing business to the to the user. As we are very transparent about this pricing, so when someone participates into a particular research study, then they know exactly how much they're going to get paid. The customer knows how much. They're going to get charged. Um, So uh, we take that money to avoid that fraud and give the transparency to both the sides of the marketplace. Uh, I think uh, transaction, and now we're implementing uh, a couple of subscription-based models as well, along with transaction, depending on the use cases, that different use Mm -hmm. cases. Half, yeah.
1: So what kind of people, so you said you started in the tech space. Have you gone beyond that now? Are you in every
0: Oh Yeah, uh, we are in, in a bunch of like verticals now. So marketing, advertising, uh, senior professionals are, are used on the platform a lot. Um, healthcare is growing. Uh, we see a lot of people from technology and uh, HR as well. So like five, six verticals where we are pretty good, uh, where customers can solve their needs. And I think it will keep growing. It's again coming back the whole uh, chicken and egg, you know, uh, thing that we got to keep growing a certain vertical based on demand and supply coming together. Uh, And hopefully, you know, going down the line, we should have all the major 33, 36 verticals that are out there. uh, And, you know, close to half a million users that should make us a billion dollar company.
1: Very cool. So if I like, how does the process work? So if I sign up, uh, do I get, so I put in all my credentials, it does that background check, sort of thing yeah. on me. And I show up as like, I show up as an individual, so somebody can yeah. say, I want to send a survey directly to Chris or can, can he, can they hide their, can they be anonymous or?
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. So there are two ways to do it. You can even keep your profile anonymous. So some people, they don't want to be seen on a, on a marketplace. So they, there's a hide profile button on your dashboard. So you can do that. Uh, But you still have your unique link. If someone reaches out to you on LinkedIn or some other place, you can still give them the link just by clicking on that link. They can book time with you or invite you for projects and you still are, you're still hidden, right? But they need to have your link, which you can share with them. The other way to do it is when you sign up on the platform and you don't have these issues about hiding your profile, um, uh, because some people don't want it to be seen to their employers, you know, which is fair. Um, But you you can look at the projects on the opportunities page. So there are new projects that, Come on the platform. Every oh, single so you can day.
1: request to join a project that's already. You can in request progress.
0: to apply for it, and if the if the if the research firm feels like you are a good candidate for that research study, they will approve it. Uh, if not, they will pass on to pass on your profile, just like applying for a small job. Uh, and the other way is like um, some companies would just filter down certain users based on the search criteria they have, and you will directly start getting notifications of invitations to participate in different research studies. So as of now, like right now, since we're talking, I think that there must be at least 15 to 20 projects live on the platform where multiple other customers are using it um, to to work on different, you know, studies.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like you're still, uh, the tech space is still the largest vertical that you have on there right now.
0: Tech, marketing, and advertising, I would put them as as largest. It also depends on the seasonality, right? So when there are new tech trends, like last year, we saw a lot of projects happening from blockchain to Web3. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, this year, we are seeing This year, it's all AI,
1: right? It's all about AI.
0: It's all about AI. (laughs) So we get a really good understanding, by the way, the kind of projects that happen in the world because these projects are done by the largest research firm. So we know where the money is being spent on research. So we get a pulse of things, if not like the exact- but we get an idea of what's going on, which is which is really interesting.
1: Very cool. That that could be useful data to use later on, in yeah. aggregate or create reports or stuff like that. This is great. Exactly. So yeah. okay, so it's time to think like a futurist. It is the year 2033, 10 years from now. Yeah. Where will we be? I mean, are you guys going to be the de facto replacement for that little piece of LinkedIn? What are you What are you going to do next? Where do you see yourself? I going?
0: think uh, for by the year twenty. 20- you know, in the next 10 years, uh, I, I can very confidently say we will be the biggest company uh, with the highest amount of impact when it comes to B2B research. I'm mm-hmm. very confident about it. Um, and I'm not just saying it from a bias of being a founder uh, or just from my belief system. We say, I'm saying it based on how our customers use it and the amount of money they're spending on the platform every month. Um, and we see the value that they're getting out of these projects um, uh, conducted on the platform. So I see most of the B2B research uh flowing through our platform for the largest yeah. companies in the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well you're selling legitimate people. That's the thing, right? I mean right yeah. now you go to all these platforms, you go to any platform, you're going, is this person a real person? Are they who bot. they really are? Right. Or a bot.
0: Like with yeah. AI. That is going to be a big problem. Um, a lot of people think of AI as a positive, like thing, but there are going to be bots which are going to be much more intelligent than just a script running in the background. Exactly, which would fool a lot of systems and companies. So the companies which are not going to build these fraud detection systems or anti, you know, bot, uh, you know, uh, elements into their products, they are going to face legitimate problems in just yeah. coming months. Oh, it's already happening. I mean, the, I mean, look at yeah. those—all of these all of
1: these uh, social media sites that don't have the the safeguards in place are getting flooded yeah. they're yeah. just getting flooded with these bots yeah. and yeah. they 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 really need to put those safeguards in place and it sounds like you guys have got that you've got the vetting mechanism
0: yeah we got the, me- the uh, vetting mechanism and it has to constantly be improving uh, based on how we see different use cases of people using it or exceptions uh that we haven't encountered before but are we are seeing now so you've got to be like really smart about it but at the same time um th- this was an, also one of the reasons why someone questioned Elon Musk about Twitter and the eight dollar thing this is what he's doing by that money he's like validating people b- by paying them money because yeah. if you want to run thousand bots you have to pay eight thousand dollars which yeah. no one would do because it doesn't make sense to do it uh financially speaking and um, I think that's, that's where, you know, you'll have to figure out ways or mechanisms because on Twitter, it's way much more easier than on our marketplace to do that. Yeah. There's really yeah. no validation. LinkedIn is using Clear, uh, to do that, which is the same company or the product that's used at the airports, you know, to yeah. validate. Yeah. I'm familiar, right? very
1: familiar with them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that, that's how, but it you know, still how- doesn't help. <laughs> still is get so hard, hammered right? by bots all the time. Yeah, exactly. It still doesn't help because first you need to know who to show that screen to, right? Like to validate that person. A lot of people get like a lot of those spam profiles, um, you know, fall through the ta- cracks. And uh, I think that's that's why it's difficult for companies to figure out how, how these spam or bot companies are thinking. So it's going to yeah. get more dangerous, um, unfortunately. But I think better solutions will come out of it.
1: Well, the other thing, interesting thing is that I had this idea a long, long time ago when I got ripped off on eBay and okay. I thought to myself, we really need, because it's so easy to be anonymous and not a real, either not a real person like a bot or anonymous or completely misrepresent yourself on the internet. It's like yeah. on the internet, no one knows you're a dog, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you need some service that can actually say, this is a legitimate person. This is who they really are. This is what their background really is and almost score them and say, this is, this person is like 93% trustworthy. Yeah. And then you could apply that at just, just take that with you wherever you go. So yeah. if you're, if you're on eBay, if you're on CleverX, or if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook or whatever, you know, this trust score or whatever can then be used sort of across the internet to, to say that person is legitimate and this is what they really are like something almost like yeah. a replacement for what we used to have when we were in tribal villages where I yes. know this person because I do a lot of interaction. We don't do yeah. it. We don't have a lot of that interaction anymore. Yeah. So have you ever thought of sort of maybe taking that piece of it and sort of spinning it out as almost like a service that other um, marketplaces I, could use?
0: I think it would be the wrong company to do that. We are not right. like, a, I mean, I don't think we have the skill sets or even the drive or motivation to build a product like that. Right. Um, but uh, but you've I got think- the technology. <laughs> Yeah, we are we are building that technology for our use case. We'll see. I don't know where, where you know uh, the world takes us in the future, but um, I think there are going to be some incredible companies that will come out. I think blockchain tried to do that. Yeah. But again, the problem is with, with blockchain products in general, which I always question with other founders who are in the Web3 blockchain space or crypto space, who are like good friends of mine. But my question was, what is the source of truth? Right. Like if the source of truth is wrong, then you have a wrong fake profile all over the internet.
1: All the way through. Yep.
0: Right. So yeah. that, who's who's responsible for that source of truth, which is the most difficult question to answer. That could That's be you like, guys. You guys could <laughs> be the source of truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a big responsibility to to take up, you know, um, because it's something hey, in 10 out. years
1: by, you know, in five years, you'll have solved the problem that you were thinking about in 10 years. And you're gonna be like, OK, what are we going to do next? Yeah. Let's solve yeah. the problem of identity for the entire Internet.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know that's 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 where like most of the companies you take from Meta to Twitter, uh, you know, Instagram, or uh, even TikTok, like that's where the source of truth problem comes in for all social media companies. So anywhere there are yeah. human beings involved, I've realized one thing. This is this is a more philosophical thing that I've learned is there are going to be bad actors no matter what. Like no matter yeah. how good you make your technology, there are going to be people who will figure something out. Because the the incentive and motivation is to act in a in a bad way, um, to get whatever money as a as a incentive. But the big suggestion I would have for anyone who runs a business like that would be to not punish good people for the small minority of bad actors.
1: Exactly, which um, is exactly what's happening. Which is yeah. exactly what's happening, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, then they're going to be these bad actors, but I think good people should not get punished for it. We're legitimate people, you know, that's not their fault.
1: Yeah. So and I think the, the only way to do that is to bring more people back into the process because yeah. there's so much AI just making these snap decisions, snap permanent decisions on things. Yeah. And it's kind of like, wait a second, there's probably a lot more nuance yeah. to this than yeah. you think of. And the, the 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 machines can't think in nuance. You really yeah. need people. Yeah. To think that nuance through. So
0: absolutely. Yeah. that's cool. some kind of human intervention. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. All right. This has been great. Thank you so much. Is, I'm going to sign up right away, but by, by right away, right after this.
0: Please do, Chris. <laughs> Hopefully you know,
1: you'll Dr. need Dr. my I advice. Know. Who knows? We will and we'll then,
0: uh, we'll definitely need you.
1: Yeah. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way?
0: Um, I think the the best way would be, you know, um, I, I I'm not on a lot of social, you know, media. So I use Twitter and LinkedIn just for work. Uh, so the best way to reach out would be uh, through LinkedIn. So if you can type in my name, Sharik, which is S-H-A-R-E-K-H. I uh, think I should be the first hit, um, you know, um, and uh, or you can just drop me an email at sharik at cleverx.com. i uh, cool. happy to answer any questions to your, you know, subscribers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Chris. I Thanks. appreciate it. Right. Bye.